At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement, and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the Social Psychic. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's with great pleasure that I have the opportunity of interviewing special guest Douglas Vermeeren today regarding his new book, Personal Power Mastery. Douglas Vermeeren discusses his book regarding three major concepts, personal, power, and mastery. For him, as a highly successful international top performer in the field of motivational speaking and personal development, These words are the heart, soul, and mind of the title of his profoundly impactful leadership program, which was launched in 2010 and is being taught internationally. Following interviews of more than 400 of the top achievers worldwide, personal power mastery concepts are based on systems that top achievers are actually utilizing in their own daily lives and the outcomes created from them. With life-changing content based on thorough research, Douglas invites you on his personal journey to discover and claim your own power and live the mastery for your best life. It is with great pleasure that I welcome Douglas Vermeer into the show. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate you coming on the show today. I, um, I really enjoy the concepts that are in your new book, Personal Power Mastery. Oh, I thank you. Was there- I was very intrigued um, just in terms of your goal of interviewing 400 of the top achievers worldwide. My first question to you is what motivated you to perform such a task? Because that seems like a pretty lofty goal of doing with, with what you did yourself. And, and I want to know what, what motivated you to do that? Well, it, it actually, it's funny that you asked that question because when I first looked at it, I didn't actually have the goal to do that at all. Uh, what kind of happened is at the time I was, um, <laughs> believe it or not, doing a summer job as a college student, and I wasn't having a lot of success at this job. And so I had somebody who really kind of gifted me the book Think and Grow Rich. I had never had any experience at all ever with personal development, so I just didn't even know that was like an industry, right? And so as uh, he had given me this book and I read it, I thought, wow, she would be interesting to have a chance to meet some of these people. You know, remember Napoleon Hill had interviewed Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, the Rockefellers, the Wrigleys, and these kind of people, right? I thought, who in our day would be kind of comparable? And so I, uh, I started with the low-hanging fruit, people that I could immediately access. And there was a fellow that I met that um, was a friend of our families. He was quite wealthy. And at the end of sort of my time knowing him and learning from him, he said to me simply this, is that out of all the people that uh, – there are all the questions that you've asked me. There's one question you haven't asked me yet, 
that's going to change everything for you. And I said, well, okay, yeah, like what's that? He said, you haven't asked me who else I know that you should talk to. And so I started asking him, okay, who else do you know that I should talk to? And suddenly (laughs) he began to introduce me to some of the bigger names. And I, of course, began to ask that question every time now that I met one of these top achievers. So it it started opening up opportunities for me. And then in, uh, well, I guess it took about 10 years and so forth. I started getting, you know, closer to 400. And believe it or not, I actually still even interview some of the world's top achievers today, wherever I can find them. In fact, it was funny yesterday, uh, one of the interviews that I did in the morning was with Brian Smith, who's the, the founder of Ugg Boots. So I'm, I'm still even finding these top achievers now today, wherever I can. What's, what's very interesting to me about that is you're taking something that when you think about personal improvement and motivation, you're, you've, de- you've done your own research and you've developed your own process of trying to find common attributes among these 400 top achievers. And I like the fact that you distilled it and put it into your own seminars and, and this personal power mastery book that you created um, for purposes of our audience, because they probably have not had the opportunity to be aware or familiar with your book. I wanted to ask if you could explain to them, what do you mean when you use the phrase personal power mastery? Well, thank you for asking, because that's actually the foundation, I believe, of all success. Um, You know, obviously, having interviewed 400 of the world's top achievers, we found some pretty common denominators, some very common things. And we really found that the title expresses it best, like the foundation that you're going to need. Here's really what it means. Personal starts with this idea that we need to make our success personal. In fact, as we have people who come to our events, you know, sometimes they want to make major changes in their life, whether it's, you know, changing their finances, their relationships, their, you know, current situation, etc. And we have a saying that if you own it, you can change it. And that's really the element of having everything personal. So, you know, that's really the foundation. But these two other words, power and mastery, are also super important. And Power, I guess the way to talk about it is that essentially means the capacity to take action. And so when we become personal and we understand that we, from there, can have the ability to take action, that's really what we want to do, right? And this last idea of mastery is also extremely important. Mastery, in my opinion, actually is one of the most misunderstood words in the entire world. Mastery actually doesn't mean a certain level of perfection. It actually, to me, means a certain level of persistence. You see, as we persist at something and we get really, really good at it, eventually, you know, that will become mastery to us. We will have attained that. We will have achieved it. And so it's really important that we understand the foundation of those three words, that we need to take it personally, we need to recognize we have the power to act, and then we need to be persistent in those actions, and that's when it, what's going to create the result. Now, let me maybe just add one other quick thought, is that this idea of taking the right action is really what we unfold in the book. Because there are certain patterns that create success or certain things that we can do that have been proven again and again and again by more than 400 of the world's top achievers that if we'll pursue that course, we will arrive at success. And the cool thing is, is never since the days of Napoleon Hill has anyone as clearly unfolded these principles, right? Like Napoleon Hill did it. But since that time, uh, you know, I don't mean to sound negative, but a lot of people have basically been teaching what they've read in everybody else's books and then at everybody else's seminars. And so this is really the first glance of success that is not a photocopy of a photocopy of someone else's material. 
And, um, you know, we've, we've definitely added to it a lot of the new psychology that we understand. I mean, a lot has changed since 1930 when Think and Grow Rich came out, right? The psychology, the sure. neuroscience behind how our brain works, like, it's incredible. So some of the things that we share are, are literally uh, earth-shattering, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. I wanted to also um, highlight the fact that in your definition, in, the, in your first chapter, I believe it's actually what is personal power mastery, you talk about the path to increase happiness, and I wanted to see if you could discuss that concept as it fits within the PPM uh, concept itself. Yeah, I guess an easy way to explain happiness, even right off the bat, is I think that there's a lot of incorrect ideas around what happiness is. And the first one is, is that we always hear that happiness is a choice. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's only half true. The truth of the matter is happiness also needs to include this, this idea of consequence. And so we make a choice, and with every choice that we make, there's a consequence that's attached. So the truest definition of happiness, in my opinion, is that we need to have peace with the choice we make and the consequence that follows. And if we really look at, again, this idea of choice, I think the reason why most people do not experience happiness is because most people base their choices on immediate gratification rather than attaching it to the real, true, long-term values that they have, the things that they really, really want, right? And I think if, if we look at all the choices in our life, whether it has, you know, an effect on our relationships or effect on our wealth and our abundance or effect on health, everything that can be attached to an immediate gratification generally does not give us what we want in the long term. And that's the big problem that most people have is that they really don't know what they want in the long term. So therefore, they default to immediate gratification. And I think adding to what you're saying, a lot of people that I've worked with as a intuitive psychic medium, just in my personal life, mentoring college students who are younger than me, a lot of them don't see the, the ability to look beyond their immediate situation to see how to piece everything together that through hard work and patience, they could change their choices and have better results. And I think that's why I like what the power of conceptualizing these paradigm shifts for yourself mm. and giving you the empowerment. I think that's powerful from this whole thing. Uh, with what you're discussing in terms of the PPM concepts. I love discussing this material because to me, when somebody, one of my personal things for my, for my show is the importance of paradigm shifts, the importance of being mm. able to look at your situation and not feeling trapped or bound by it, and that you can actually go beyond where you're at and envis you know, visualize and conceptualize a, a, a better version of yourself or a, a, a remedy to a situation that may not be so easily visible at that immediate point in time for yourself that through time through hard work yeah. and perseverance and patience you can you can you know acquire these life-changing aspects of yourself that are important you, you know it, it, it's super cool that you notice that and that that that's kind of your mission of this idea of a paradigm shift and in fact one of my really good buddies bob proctor he runs an event called the paradigm shift um but one of the things that i found really interesting because we you, you just talked about work and, you know, getting out there and building our power and all of these things, I discovered something really kind of cool as uh, like it was a major aha for me. Like, I mean, I've been studying this material for decades now, but I have one massive aha about this whole idea of paradigm shift that, that really kind of enlightened me. And this is, I guess, one of the foundational principles in personal power mastery. Uh, for those that grab the book, you'll notice that we have a series of different powers that we articulate within. This is the first power, and this is the one for changing that paradigm. So how this kind of came about is an interesting thing, too, is I wanted to study change, right? Like, how do people change? 
And naturally, of course, you know, I looked at the top achievers. I also looked at a lot of the top personal development gurus that are out there. What are they teaching for change and all these things? And I couldn't find all the answers I was looking for. And so I decided who in our society deals with like massive change, right? Like who does? And so I decided I really needed to study suicide hotline workers. I mean, if you think about it, when somebody calls in for the suicide hotline worker, man, they're distraught, they're in pain, they're frustrated, they're in the middle of the turmoil, uh, like they've never experienced in their life. In fact, as I chatted with the lady who trains the suicide hotline workers, she said, yeah, you're right, we need to affect change quickly. We have people that sometimes call, and they've even got a gun in their hand. Sometimes they've even already taken pills, and they certainly have a plan or they wouldn't be calling. So for me, I thought, wow, this is like a, a really interesting group to ask them, how do you guys help people change? Like, wouldn't you think that's crazy, right? Like, how do, they, how do you do that, right? <laughs> sure. So she said, yeah, it's like crazy, right? And, and nobody in personal development really talks about this. So I thought, I'm, I, I need to find this. Let's, let's figure out the answers here. So as I asked this lady, she said, out of all the things that we can say to somebody who calls in to the suicide hotline, there's one thing that we are not going to say, that we can't say, that we don't say. I said, okay, well, what's that? She says, out of all the things that we can say, the one thing we cannot say is don't kill yourself. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, for me, that's the first <laughs> thing I would say if I'm a suicide hotline exactly. worker. Like, that, that's it, right? And, she go, and I said to her, you got to explain this. Like, why can't you say that? Like, what's going on here? And she says, well, here's the deal. When somebody calls in and they're looking to take their life, it's because they don't feel like they have any other choices. They feel like all their choice is gone. They feel cornered, and they feel like the only way out is to take their own life. So she says, instead of telling them, don't kill yourself, she says, what we do is we help them to start to see their choices. We tell them, yes, you could kill yourself. That is a choice. And this is the consequence of that. that that's, this is what that would look like. And then we tell them, or you could decide to stay. And here's what the consequences of that look like. And then we tell them next, well, you could go get some help. And this is what that looks like. And in fact, you're doing that now. And we help them to see more and more choices. Now, the interesting thing is, is they told me that as they help people see choices come back, that they also see that the person's power and their hope return into their life. Now, I found that fascinating when I heard it, but I wanted to try it out. So in our seminars, uh, Personal Power Mastery, I'm very excited to announce we just actually got rated as the top number three seminar in the entire world. Tony Robbins, UPW is number one, but we're number three, uh, but, but we're moving up, so watch for us. But anyways, so <laughs> we have people that come to our event, and I've got people that are you know, uh, on the verge of bankruptcy sometimes, foreclosure in their home, maybe on the edge of divorce, maybe they've lost a loved one. Some of them even have terminal illness. I have had people come through who've been suicidal. I've had people who've uh, you know, uh, unfortunately been suffering from massive depression. But do you know what I've found is a consistent thing? I've found that as they regain the power of choice, hope begins to return. Things begin to shift. Answers begin to appear. Opportunities begin to open up. Now, I'm not saying that they take all the choices that they come up with or that they consider, but I'm saying that just the fact that they now know that they have options gives them power back. And so I think you're talking about having a paradigm shift, having a massive shift. Well, it's true. That, that shift affects if we're going to get to work, if we're going to get motivated, if we're going to see things from a new point of view. But I also want to point out that I think the very first step to that is recognizing that you've got the power of choice, regardless of what you're in. 
And I've even had people who've come through who've been in abusive situations, and I'm talking some pretty serious abuse even, that they have recognized that they have choices. They don't necessarily have to receive what they're currently receiving, right? They can make new choices, and it's been really empowering and exciting to see people really latch onto that paradigm shift, as, as we're calling it, right? I think that's great. Congratulations on being number three, by the way. I'm sure you're going to reach the top yeah, very well, shortly based on We're your, not satisfied. Yeah, we're not satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we'll keep going. I like the fact that I think based on the power of choice, and, and that I believe that's probably how you arranged your chapters. It looks like that's like the most prevalent after you define what PPM is itself was the power of choice, yes. which is chapter two for you. And one of the things that I think important about the power of choice from re- reviewing your material is that an individual, like you said, from the power of choice, they learn that they have freedom and that they can heal beyond their prior situation or pain or whatever that is. And that mm-hmm. gives them the ability for growth. And I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a strong concept. If you could think about the ability of healing yourself and moving beyond where you've been trapped and starting that healing process. Have yeah. you, um, have you found that in the top achievers that you've worked with that they identify that themselves as a common oh, yeah. trait? Oh, yeah. And, 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 and you know, it's so interesting that, and I know this is going to sound kind of crazy, but every top achiever that I interviewed also experienced massive failures at some point in their life. And in fact, there was one top achiever that, uh, that I interviewed. Um, he actually started out on welfare. He had uh, crashed his first business, had massive problems. They ended up declaring bankruptcy. He and his wife ended up literally on welfare. And he told me that he, he knew that that's not where he needed to be. He knew that that wasn't where he def- was destined to be. And, that, you know, if he would keep going, if he would believe in his power uh, of himself, that things would happen differently. So he made a choice. He says, I could be paralyzed by this. I could say that, listen, I've had a failure and, and that's the end of it. But instead... At a card table that uh, they had set up as their dinner table with a couple of folding chairs, he said that he came up with a really good idea for a business, and in a very short time, he became the 25th wealthiest man in the United States. He was on the cover of Forbes, I think, at least twice. His name was Bill Bartman. And so I think that one of the biggest things that we need to understand is that the moment that we we hit something – let me put it this way. The difference between a successful person – and a average or let's just say a, a wealthy person and a broke person is that a wealthy person sees opportunities while a broke person sees obstacles. And it's really all in what we'll look for, right? And, you know, a top achiever, here's another way of looking at it, is not a perfectionist. They don't wait for things to be perfect. They don't wait till all the answers appear. Instead, they're improvisers. And the problem with the average person is that they need too many answers sometimes. They don't trust their gut. They don't believe in what's destined to happen. It's almost like they have a place, they know where they want to go, but until somebody reports back that all the lights are green, they don't get in their car and leave the house. We can't do that. It's foolishness, right? We've got to trust our gut and get out there. In fact, I love what Richard Branson said to me one time. He said that basically when it comes to this gut feeling of things, he trusts his gut, he trusts his inspiration, he trusts his inner brilliance, and he gets started. And everything else is a matter of just solving problems along the way. That's just the way life rolls. We need to learn how Absolutely. to become problem solvers. And, and in fact, I, I don't even like the word problem. I prefer the word puzzle. Because if we start looking at everything as a puzzle, there really is no such thing as problems. 
Um, and this is another thing about top achievers is they never feel like they have to solve all those puzzles on their own. There's so many resources and individuals and people that are out there that you can either hire or borrow or leverage to solve problems for you that the truth of the matter is, is it's really a matter of faith, right? You know, if you believe Absolutely. that you can find a solution and even get other people to help you find the solution, you will be successful. And that's the problem with most people is they never, ever get started, right? Like they're too afraid. They think that they've got to carry it all. They think that they've got to do it all. And it's just not true. It's interesting that you mentioned the concept of an individual's ability to deal with setback or failures. Because one of the favorite people I like to point to is an American politician who's very famous in the United States where he lost his job. He failed a business. His sweetheart died. He had a nervous breakdown. He was defeated for speaker of a state uh, body, governing body, defeated for his first nomination for Congress. He lost a renomination, defeated for the Senate, defeated for a nomination mm -hmm. of vice president, and again defeated for the U.S. Senate, and then he became president, and that was Abraham Lincoln. And when I tell people that, Absolutely. and they look at all, the, all those lists of failures that he dealt with, and obviously he's one of those monumental figures that, you know, in history, um, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things. But when you think of the human, a human being having the capacity to endure all those setbacks and yet still become such a powerful individual, that to me shows the unlimited ability and capacity for each of us to have growth. And obviously some people have certain talents that are innate within themselves, but I like the fact that you highlight that as part of your concept because I think that's important, especially within the Absolutely. umbrella of the power of choice. Well, I, I love that you pointed out, you know, that, that failure is also, how should we say, it's not an option. Failure is not optional. You're going to have to go through it. And the truth of the matter is those who cannot endure stress will never, ever be able to create success. And, you know, if you look at people like Walt Disney, he declared bankruptcy. The Beatles were actually told by Decca Records, forget it. You guys will never succeed. Elvis was told to go back to driving a truck. If you cannot endure wow. stress, you cannot have success. Now, here's something interesting that you won't hear from most people. Uh, a lot of the gurus that are out there right now saying you've got to eliminate toxic people from your life. And I have, honestly, on a firsthand basis, I have seen people who've gone through a divorce because some guru told them, that toxic people are not good to hang around with. And I think that this is wrong because the truth of the matter is, is we're all humans and we all have days where we either don't believe or we are toxic or we say mean things or we are hurtful. That's just the way we are as humans. But the most successful mm -hmm. top achievers that I interviewed didn't run from people like that. They learned instead how to manage people like that. So instead of saying run from toxic people, Again, back to this idea, if you cannot manage stress, you will never achieve success. You need to understand that there will always be some form of negativity around you. You need to find a way to manage it, not always eliminate it. Now, I'm not talking about abuse. Like if someone's physically abusive or sexually abusive to you, you need to get out of that. But I think that too many people label others as toxic when they're not really toxic. In other words, you're, you're basically doing what, oh my goodness, and I, and I don't want to offend anybody, but I probably will. This idea that millennials feel entitled to so many things, well, this is the same principle that most people, when it comes to success, feel like they're entitled to a smooth ride. And so therefore, they try to eliminate everything and everyone that could cause them to struggle. And that's incorrect. And so I think it's really important that we recognize that you need to expand who you are before you can expand what you have and you don't expand who you are by eliminating outside forces. That's you as a victim blaming other people. I can't do it because the market's not right. I can't do it because 
you know, my friends don't believe me, I can't do it. No, you got to level yourself up, take responsibility for who you are and what you can control and don't eliminate people just because you think that they're not playing by your rules, right? It's really important that you understand that if you own it, you can change it. It's up to you. That's what the whole success principle is really about. If you don't take it personally, you're never going to create success on your own. Absolutely. No, it's very true that you have to conceptualize it and be able to have ownership of it in order to really move beyond it, in my opinion, at least. It's true. Um, Tell us a little about the power of thought, your chapter three, and how it ties into the PPM concept. Wow. Well, (laughs) this is actually uh, one of my favorite discussions, if you will. And uh, I kind of wish in in some ways we were live and we had a flip chart and I could kind of show you a diagram because the power of thought is one of the really important principles that's here. And I have some things to share that are also quite quite contrary or expand beyond what, you know, normal personal development guys are out there teaching or, you know, these life coaches and people are teaching. The truth of the matter is there was a study that was done by Harvard that said that we have about 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Most people have heard of that, and they've, they've heard of this study, and they can quote it. What most people don't know or haven't read, because they haven't read the whole study, but in there it says that out of those you know, 60 to 70,000 thoughts that we have a day, approximately 80 to 90% of those are either what we call negative or neutral thinking. Now, most people have heard of negative thinking before. I get it. But most people haven't heard of neutral thinking. And most people, in fact, have only heard of negative thinking and positive thinking. The truth of the matter is, is there's four kinds of thinking that actually exist. And if you look at the top achievers in the world, there's actually one that they gravitate towards. And so let me maybe just explain it this way to make it easier for your listeners to understand. If we think about the principle of buoyancy. Now, buoyancy, let's go quickly snorkeling, okay? So we all know that buoyancy in the water, if you're snorkeling, Something that's negatively buoyant sinks to the very bottom of the water. Something that's positively buoyant rises up of the water, right? Now, let's imagine you're seeing a cross-section from the side view. So let's start with the negative buoyant at the bottom, the things that are there. That's like negative thinking. That's all the kind of thinkings that are disempowering. It's right at the bottom. You don't feel like you're good enough. You don't feel worthy. You don't have confidence. You're beating yourself down. If a person stays at that negative buoyancy of thought long enough, they'll in fact become depressed. In fact, even suicidal. In fact, it's interesting, but if you, if you notice that most people do still have negative thoughts, we just don't have them constantly. There's lots of times when we self-doubt. But when it starts to become a habit, that's a real problem, right? Now, there is a level of thinking about that, and that's neutral thinking. And if you think again about this example within the water, Neutral thinking is like neutral buoyancy. It's neither floating at the top nor at the bottom. And that's actually what is meant when it says in this study that we spend 80 to 90% of our thoughts either negative or neutral. I don't think most people are negative all the time, but I do think most of us are neutral. In psychology, they also call this ritual tendencies or our habitual thinking, just kind of the default mode that we always go into that's not really productive, it's not really counterproductive, it's just kind of there in the middle. But the one thing that we know about neutral things is that they eventually settle down to the ground. They eventually become negative. And let me use the example. You see people who have a job. They wake up. They get in the car. They go to the job. They do the job. They come home. They eat dinner, watch TV, go to bed, rinse, repeat again and again and again and again. Well, those people very quickly become dissatisfied with their life. And they eventually start having more and more and more negative feelings around that neutral behavior. 
The truth is, as Socrates, the Greek philosopher said that we are all teleological beings, meaning that we get our greatest senses of satisfaction as we're seeking progress, as we're rising. So the truth of the matter is, is when we're stuck in neutral, we're not rising. And so we don't feel satisfied and we start to become negative. Now, there is a form of thinking above that, very misunderstood, though, and that's called positive thinking. If you think about it in terms of buoyancy, that's floating right at the top of the water. But the truth of the matter is, is you're still in the water, meaning that things around you still affect how you think about things. Now, I know years ago, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale wrote some books on the power of positive mental attitude and the power of positive thinking and all these things. Um, the truth of the matter is, is our society, most people have never, ever read those books. And so they always label, let's be a positive thinker, but they don't understand that he was actually not really referring to this kind of positive thinking. Most people got it wrong. And the one he's thinking about is the one I'm going to talk about next. But let's talk a minute for this positive thinking as it is in psychology and how it relates really to most of us. Like I said, it, it, it's still in the water and it's surrounded by the water. So in other words, it's influenced by the things outside of it. It's reactionary still. Let me give you an example. We've all met somebody who, for example, they missed the bus. Ah, shoot, I missed the bus. But hey, let's look on the bright side. And they try and paint it positively, right? Or somebody who maybe they've been in a relationship and the relationship fails and they say, oh, well, you know, let's look on the bright side. And they always, again, are in responsive mode to a negative situation that happens. Now, let's put this in perspective. The truth of the matter is we all know people who require emergencies to have a sense of value. Or they even create drama so that they can reward themselves by looking like they're the hero in a negative situation. I mean, we've all got, you know, either members of our family or people that we know that start drama just because they need drama, right? <laughs> That's Definitely. these kind of people. They're still victims. They're still stuck in the water. But the kind of person that you want to be, this is the one that Dr. Norman Vincent Peale really was talking about. It's not just a positive thinker. In fact, Stephen Covey calls it proactive. You know, other people call it empowered. It's the level above this, and it's actually out of the water. It means people who decide who they want to be, what they want to be, what they want to have, what they will do, and all of these things, they decide them in advance. And so, therefore, they're not really responsive to what happens around them. They've already made their decisions. It's kind of like this idea of too many people let someone else's fire become their emergency, right? They're always responding to what others around them need. But if we decide ahead of time what we want, we can also make decisions in terms of our priority. I'm not saying we won't help people when an emergency comes. We might, but we choose, and we've made our decisions ahead of time. And I think the biggest problem with many people when it comes to thinking, when it also comes to activity, is that we're too quick to say yes to things that aren't high values to us. And that's why we end up getting stuck in drama or things that don't serve us or things that aren't lifting us higher because we're often too busy living somebody else's lives or, or their requirements before our own. And when we truly find what we value and we start planning ahead and we start looking at what we really want, we can start building boundaries around our lives. So again, toxic people can't injure us. Uh, situations that are negative, they can't steal our time. We literally are building our life by design. And as we do that, we'll find that we're much more fulfilled. And because we are aware you know, a goal that is specific and clear becomes attainable and near. As we begin to really tap into what we want and who we are, we can start creating strategies that will serve us better day to day. And that's where success comes. And, and I like the way you phrased the last concept. Um, basically, you're being 
independent of the things that would be like the, the, the um, analogy of being in the water. By being outside of the water, you're mm. independent of those other forces in your life by taking that proactive choice to think yeah. in I that mean, manner. Have you ever been in the water waist deep and tried to jump out onto the deck? Like you just can't yeah, do it, difficult. right? Correct. So, so if you really want to live your dreams, you've got to free yourself from all those things around you. And that becomes possible as you decide in advance and you know what you want. Most people don't take the time to ever discover that or create it. That's a, that's a great concept because I think once you make that decision and embrace that, it can be very liberating for you because you know what your focus is. And that can help very you much so. in, terms, in, in terms of your progress and attaining happiness yeah. by making that progress and moving forward and moving beyond it. Absolutely. Can you talk a little about how emotions factor in the one's thinking? Well, emotions actually are actually not a thought at all. They're, uh, how should we say, the way we paint our thoughts. In fact, the stories we tell ourselves based on our previous experience and our assumptions. In fact, if you look at what really emotions are, they're actually the result of expectations. And now what I mean by that, let's just kind of share it this way, is that if you've had a certain experience in the past that in a specific way, to say a negative experience, well, oftentimes when we begin to think or, or experience a stimulus that's similar to something we've done in the past, we, we typically expect that it's going to end the same way. Now, in some cases, that keeps us safe, so it's a smart thing. But in other circumstances, it's completely false, and it can create more harm than it does good. In fact, if you look at what is the basis for all emotion, expectation, right? Now, let's look at the negative things for a minute. Like if you expect that somebody's going to, let's say, for example, something as simple as, you know, take out the garbage. You expect they're going to take out the garbage. And maybe they've even told you they would. And you come back and the garbage is still there. Well, then you're going to have negative emotions because your expectations have not been met, right? So you're either going to be frustrated, you're going to be angry, you might be hurt, you might be, you know, sad about it, uh, disappointed. These are all things that you might be. And now on the other end of that spectrum, sometimes our expectations are exceeded. People do things for you. Maybe they give you a surprise present or a gift, and you're happy about it. You're delighted, right? So I think one of the things Definitely. when it comes – yeah, it's all, it's all a matter of expectation. And, you know, obviously you've heard people say, oh, then, you know, it's up to you to manage your expectations. Well, I think that that's true, but I also think it's up to us to also create expectations. And if you look at the people who are most successful, if you want to be one of the top achievers, you also have something what I call the continuum of willingness, which really, if you think about it, whenever you have an activity that you have to do, okay, let's say something you have to do, you can choose the quality of how you'll do it. And on the low end of that continuum of willingness, we've had people who, you know, you invite them to do something and they dig in their heels and say, ah, I don't want to, but they'll fight you, they'll fight you, they'll fight you. And then finally, they'll do it right? <laughs> and if you look at that yeah. as the continuum, that negative part, that's where there's the less, least amount of money, so the least amount of reward, the least amount of opportunity, because you're not going to trust that guy to do a lot. There's the least amount of possibility, because that guy, you know, you'll never invite him to come and hang with your best friend. You'll never open doors for him to, you know, be with your best client. Like, there's a lot of limiting possibilities there. But if we go all the way up a continuum, so it's various degrees of black all the way to gray and all the way to white, at the far end, there's some stuff worth noticing. We have all had people who, when you give them a job, they do it crazy good. They do it super well. It's done with excellence. It's done with high quality, and you can always count on them. 
So obviously at that end, there's much more reward. There's more money there. There's more opportunity. There's more freedom. Since they do it quicker um, and don't fight you along the way, there's obviously more time that's there. The relationships there are better. Everything is better. But that's not the end. There's even a step beyond that. Once the guy's finished the job, you've even got something called going the extra mile. So the guy who does a great job, but he even goes more than what he, what he was expected to do, uh, people start getting really happy. Again, this idea of expectation, right? So he makes more money. We want to keep him around. He gets promoted. He gets lifted up because he always goes the extra mile and he always does a great job. But did you know there's even one level higher than that? When I interviewed the world's top achievers, there's a level higher than even going the extra mile. I'm not sure what to call it, so I just call it the pre-extra mile. And basically what that means is this person, this kind of person, not only does an excellent job, not only goes above and beyond, but they actually do it even before being asked even before people express an expectation. This is a person that can anticipate the problems that need to be solved, a person that can anticipate the needs that other people have. And those are the ones that rise to high levels. And if you look at all the top companies, like a great example is even Apple, right? Like they anticipate the needs of their customers and the things that their customers would use in their brand new phones and things, even before we ask for it, Right. Companies that can anticipate or businesses or entrepreneurs that can anticipate the needs of people, kind of like what Wayne Gretzky said, right? I don't skate to where the puck is. That's what makes them successful. And the same is true in life and business. Now, here's an interesting experiment. If you've got listeners that are maybe married or have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, tell you what, you really want to see if this is true? Go out and do something for them before they ask for it, stuff that you know needs to be done. Like, for example, I'm married. And I notice if I go and I do the dishes or fold some laundry or clean up in the house before my wife asks me, that's doing the pre-extra mile. And just like everything else with this law, it's like the law of the harvest, what you plant, you're going to reap, right? The seeds that you sow, you're going to reap those. I notice that there's more rewards that come into my life when I do things for her specifically before she asks me. And I know that's the same in my business when I do stuff for my customers before they ask when I do things for my own employees before they ask, when I do things for anyone before they ask, I find that the rewards are always there in greater abundance. So I think that this idea that Zig Ziglar talked years ago where he said, you know, if you want something, help enough other people get what they want, I think it starts by doing it even before they ask. And you'll find that your rewards are just, they're, they're enormous. I could see that for sure because you're actually account, you're taking into a account your partner's expectations or your, your client's expectations to do something proactively before they ask you directly. And I think that's great to be able to think beyond the, the limitations of that. Well, we even saw that in the last session too, as companies were downsizing their people, who are the ones that they got rid of last? What's the ones that were able to anticipate the needs of the company before being asked, right? Um, at any time, uh, an economy is, is threatened, it's the people at the low end of the willingness continuum that find themselves out the door first. <laughs> and I think that's in relationship too. I mean, if you've got a girlfriend or a boyfriend that every time, you know, you want to go out to a movie and they're dragging their heels or they're not willing, but eventually <laughs> they go, then you're going to get rid of them in a heartbeat as soon as somebody better comes along, right? <laughs> yeah. Tell us about the power of perception and belief and how it fits within the PPM yeah. model. Well, you, you know, this is a pretty deep discussion, and I guess one of the things about perception, I guess, uh, the example that I used in the book I, I think is really kind of neat. One of my hobbies has always been magic, and uh, I've always loved watching people like David Copperfield and Penn and & Teller and 
by the way, both of those were people that we met and had a chance to chat with, uh, even in regards to this project. But the thing that I thought was kind of interesting is that, you know, things aren't always as they appear, right? And we often tell ourselves the story that we want to hear. So when you're watching a magic show, you tell yourself the story that you want to have true. <laughs> and even though what you see is not a reality, we often will act according to the reality that we believe we've just witnessed. And I think that this is an important thing for us to recognize. And, you know, even with this idea of perception, this is why I think it's so important that we have mentors, people who have been there and achieved, because we don't always see things how they really are. We see them how we want them to be. In fact, I can think of one specific story that's really kind of funny, maybe a bit embarrassing for me too, but I'll tell it. Let's do it. So um, when I was early in my career of interviewing the top achievers, um, I wanted to become wealthy. I wanted to have what they had in terms of the financial success. And so I'll never forget, I had an idea for a company that I wanted to start. And I took it to a friend of mine who I'd spend a lot of time with, and he was a billionaire already. He had become a billionaire with uh, several of his companies and the real estate ventures that he had and everything else. And so as I talked to him about my business idea, he kind of stopped me every once in a while and he would point out something in my business plan and he would say, I probably wouldn't do that. This is, you know, there's an easier way and better way to do this. And I would interrupt him and I would say, well, this is why I'm doing this. This is why it needs to be this way. Can't you see? Can't you see? And so he just kind of let me talk and then he would shrug and then, you know, talk a little bit more. And then I point another thing and he'd point out why maybe that would work. And again, I'd interrupt him and I'd say, you don't understand. This is the way the customers here think. This is what they need to do. This is what needs to happen. And finally, after doing this about six or seven times, he finally stopped me. And he said, listen, you got a choice. You can be rich or you can be right. If you want to be right, here's what happens. You get to keep everything that you've already got. Because if you always do what you've always done, you're going to always get what you've always gotten. And if you decide that your ego is more important than having wealth, you'll never be teachable either. He says, or you can be rich. And what that means is you listen to somebody who has a heck of a lot more experience than you and certainly has a better understanding of how wealth flows than you. And then he pointed out something interesting, and I was not offended. In fact, it made so much sense. He said, take a look at your bank account. Take a look at my bank account. These are both report cards of how well we understand wealth. You can be rich or you can be right. Now, it's so interesting that since that day, I've thought about this, that there's really two kinds of people who go after their goals. There's those that are stupid and those that are tenacious. And I know that maybe we don't like the word stupid. It's maybe not politically correct, but I believe it's the right one. Stupid is somebody who is maybe in a room and they want to get to the room next door and they stand in one spot and they bang their head in the same spot again and again and again and again and again and again. That's stupid, right? They've got a goal, but they're Definitely. not going to budge. They, do keep, they keep doing things their way. That's stupid. A person that's tenacious, actually, will bang their head probably in that same spot, but realize it didn't work. Then he'll move to another spot and bang his head somewhere else. And he'll keep trying different spots. And then when someone else comes and says, there's the door, there's a window, they will listen. So in other words, the difference between stupidity and tenacity, stupidity isn't teachable. Tenacity is. We keep going and we keep trying a new approach until we find a way to get into that other room. And as I listened to him about this idea of, do you want to be rich or do you want to be right? I realized that if I choose to be right and I always stick by my story, my perception of what the reality of truth is, I'm always going to be stuck. But if I'm teachable, I'm always going to be able to expand. And the interesting thing is, is I've got another mentor that I meet with every Friday. 
He's worth about $800 million, and we can launch every single Friday. And he told me something very interesting the other day about the word belief. He said, the minute that you choose to believe something is the absolute truth, and there's no other way, you've endorsed the lie. Because the truth of the matter is, is there's always another way. There's always another perspective. And there are some things that, quite frankly, change over time. You know, if you and I were talking right now about how to become a millionaire in 1910, well, I'm sure some of those ideas may translate a little bit to today, but the truth of the matter is, is there's so many better ways to do it than how they did it in 1910. In fact, the fastest zero to millionaire today was done online, and it was done in six minutes and 33 seconds. You wouldn't see that in 1910 or by following those 1910 strategies. So we've got to be adaptable, but we've also got to be teachable. And if we'll do that, we can find success. Definitely. And having the flexibility, too, to grow beyond your current constraints and having the, the focus of that. Absolutely. Your book itself, I know that you, um, you actually have exercises in, in each chapter. Can you tell us a little about your exercises and, and why you put them in there? Yeah, for sure. And that was totally intentional. Uh, here's the deal is I believe that if you're going to read a book, number one, I, I see a lot of books that are out there that are, you know, the 80-20 rule, right? 20% value, 80% fluff. And I think that that's kind of crummy. So I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to fall into that trap. I wanted to actually have it so this book was 100% valuable. And I also want to have it so that this book could change as you do, as you make discoveries about who you are. Because success is a journey. Mastery is a journey. It's not a final destination. And I found the best way to do that was to take some of the exercises that you've done live that people have found massive value with uh, and bring them right into the book and just let you do some of those exercises. Now, Granted, I mean, it, it is different than a live experience, and I do invite you to come and join us live. It's, it's a power, powerful, powerful, powerful time with us. But in the book, there's a lot of the exercises that you can do and that you can think about and that you can complete that are actually going to make massive life changes for you. They're going to change the way that you look at things forever from here on out. And so we, we knew that we needed to include some of those in there, and I'm very excited that they're in there. These are life-changing things that – you know, we get letters on a regular basis from people who have created some massive uh, steps forward in their life, not only in terms of wealth. Wealth and abundance is one of the big things that we create. In fact, just to let you know, when I started the interviews with the world's top achievers as a 19-year-old, I did $1.6 million using these strategies in my first six months. That's like $9,000 a day. So no kidding. I teach lots wow. of wealth stuff. In fact, we even do a podcast called Your First Millions on the Way. So we talk a lot about money and how to do it correctly. But that's not the only thing. We talk about everything from relationships to self-confidence, self-worth, self-fulfillment. We talk about, you know, building better health for ourselves and, you know, so many other concepts that personal power mastery really is a personal journey. It's not just one aspect. And those exercises we decided to include there are really based to helping you open up on a permanent basis your, your greatest self, your greatest possibilities. That makes a lot of sense. I can see that. In terms of power values, what mm. values do you find are the most important when you discuss the power values within the concept of the PPM <clears throat> method? Well, I, I guess the, the one thing that's maybe important to point out is that the most important values for me to tell you what they are is a bit unfair, right? Um, values are something that are personally determined by everyone. 
we need to, to come up with our own values and, and our own decisions on what values are. And it's not something that we can, uh, you know, create and assign to someone. So I can't tell you what your most important values are going to be. I, I just, I can't do that. But the one thing that I will tell you is there is a massive importance in finding your values. And let me maybe explain what I mean by that. If you think of it kind of like a teeter-totter, you know, two kids sitting on this one on one end and one on the other and is one bounces up, the other, you know, goes down. And when he, the other kid bounces up, the other guy goes down, right? Like seesaw, seesaw, right? Well, if you think of on one side of the seesaw is going to be the idea of values. And on the other side of the seesaw is what we're going to have is motivation. Here's the deal. When your value for something is really low, in other words, your kid at the bottom of the seesaw, it actually really requires a lot of motivation for you to get busy, to get out there and do something with it. In fact, at the willingness scale, you're not very willing. It's just not valuable to you. You don't care. But if we were to reverse that and give you something that you highly value, something that's massively important to you, you're going to find it takes very little motivation. That motivation now flips down while value is high. And it doesn't take much to get you busy or get you going. And so I think it's an important thing for us to look at um, that most people, first of all, don't really know what they value. And the other thing is, is many people are copying the goals and the dreams of those they see around them, and it's maybe not what they authentically value. Like, I think one of the things that's kind of a bit of a tragedy in our world today is that many people, they look at what, you know, people are doing on social media, and they see that, wow, my friend's got a really nice Ferrari, so therefore they think that they need to go get a Ferrari. Now, I like Ferrari, so I'm not going to say don't do that, but I'm going to say unless it's part of your values, you're going to have a hard time staying motivated with the activities that will require to go and pick up a Ferrari. So we need to, first of all, really understand what our authentic values are, and it's okay that they're not the same as others. In fact, I'm going to tell you that once we really start understanding our values, we'll start really actually gravitating towards people who have the same values. And the cool thing about that is, you know, when we start hanging around with people who have similar values, we will then find that there's support that's there. In fact, just one quick note on values that's kind of really cool when you observe it is a lot of times I hear a lot of the gurus that are out there say, you know, you just define your passion and purpose. And people go to their events and say, I can't. Can you help me find my passion and my purpose? Well, the problem with most people when it comes to passion and purpose is they're trying to fly solo. What I mean that they're trying to discover their own passion and purpose by themselves without other people. But if you look at this, the way that we are as humans, the way that mankind is built, is we're all connected to each other, right? And we are all connected to those that we really resonate with. Like there's certain athletes that you groove because you, you feel like a connection with them or certain movie stars that you kind of feel like they're in the same vibe as you and people in, in your personal life that are on the same vibe as you. It's because you guys have similar things that you value, whether it's in terms of appearance or terms of activity or these are things that you have together. So when people are talking about find your passion, your purpose, it's not really about you. In fact, Warren Buffett said it this way, what you love about you is your hobby. What other people love about you is your business. So if you want to find happiness and financial success, one of the first things that you need to do is find how your passion and purpose, meaning the things that you like and enjoy, overlap with other people's passion and purpose and together where you find where that overlap is the things that you both together love and enjoy well then transactions can take place and i'm not just talking about money i'm talking about all elements of joy and satisfaction and abundance and everything else 
And so I think that this is a really important thing when we talk about values is that we won't be fully satisfied until we find how what we enjoy actually connects to what other people enjoy and the right kind of people enjoy. And then together we're able to create these values and communities of value. There's that idea, you know, once you get my vibe, you'll become my tribe. Well, this is it. We all want individual tribes of people that value and believe the same way we do. And when we start finding those kind of communities, we start feeling more fulfilled. And, of course, abundance is created there. So it's really important. A lot of these details, you know, most gurus that are out there right now aren't aware of it. They just don't know, right? Like why do you think some of the world's top achievers, people who have created multi-billion dollar businesses, why do you think people like, for example, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett are friends, right? It's because they've got the same value system. But people don't recognize exactly. that if you want to play at those levels, you need to value what those guys value. And I'm not saying that, you know, you've got to change who you are. I mean, if you're happy with what you value, it's kind of like what my friend Johnny Martini from The Secret said, like in our movie, The Treasure Map that we did a couple of years ago, he said, everyone is wealthy. It just appears in the form that people value most. And for some people, they don't Definitely. really value the financial return. They value, you know, something different. And that's what they end up dedicating their time to. That's how they prioritize their day. And so that's really ultimately what's going to dictate your course. And most people haven't ever, like I said, taken the time to investigate what they truly value. And therefore, they're oftentimes chasing things that they don't feel good about. It's kind of like what Stephen Covey says. Most people spend their life climbing the ladder of success only to find that it's leaning against the wrong wall. When you say that, I think of, uh, I was a psych major in college, and I think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> and how it affects yeah. each of us on an individual basis and our concepts and all that. So that's interesting that you raised that. That's definitely very true. I um, We're running low on time. Uh, before we, we finish our interview, I'd like to direct my audience to your website. If you can share your, your website with us and yeah, kind of sure. give us an overview. I know you've mentioned some of the films that you've done, and I, I just think it's phenomenal, your achievements and your balance of things is your perspective balance of perspective. I think is very motivating for a lot of people. If you can just, uh, oh, thank you. you know, where would, where would someone in my audience who's very motivated by this uh, interview, if they want to learn more about you, maybe sign up for your seminars or learn more about yeah, the PPM sure. method, where, where would they go? Well, there's a couple things um, that are uh, worthwhile. So if you've got your pens out, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to give you some free resources. So the first place I'm going to suggest you go to for free is just simply head over to Facebook. We've got Personal Power Mastery as a group. You can even Google Personal Power Mastery, and you're going to run into us. We've got a free podcast. We've got you know the Facebook group, our, you know, lots of materials that we've got through our website. So this is great. Um, but I also want to share, if you're interested in building wealth and money, we've also got a podcast called Your First Millions on the Way. And the idea is, is like, what's harder to make, your first million or your second? Well, obviously, your second is easier. So I'm going to tell you, why not for your first, come get the help of a millionaire. And so we'll show you how to build it. We'll teach you how to do it step by step. And um, those are two resources that are immediately free. It doesn't cost you anything. So like I said, um, Google Personal Power Mastery. You're going to run into me. Or simply, when you're searching podcasts, go to your first million is on the way. And you'll find me as well. And I'm sure in these show notes, you're also going to put my name. You can Google me too, and there's all kinds of resources there and lots of video and media appearances on YouTube and stuff like that. But there's lots of free resources where you can come and learn our material. And then naturally, if you want to grab the book, you can get it at Barnes & Noble or Amazon or any of the online sites. 
I promise you it's definitely a book that's going to change your life and take you to the next level in whatever it is you're looking to accomplish. Your personal power mastery events, how often are those uh, provided to members of the general public that want to sign up for them? And it depends where, too, because that's a great question. So we do them all over the world. Uh, we just actually completed one in London, UK. So um, it depends where they want to see them. We've got them multiple times a year. I try and do at least four, maybe five a year. And so we do a couple of them stateside. We do a couple up in Canada. We do a couple in the UK. We've got Australia and also South Africa that we do them in. And now we're starting to do more in Asia. On top of that as well, we've got our wealth events that we do. The event itself is also called Your First Millions on the Way. And same kind of thing. We do that about four or five times a year. One of the cool things that a lot of people like to join us with too is we also take all of our students and we do a cruise and a, a retreat every year. So if you want to come join us, it's tax deductible. Get out of your seat when the snow starts to fall. Nobody <laughs> likes to be there when it's cold anyways. But um, we bring a lot Absolutely. of speakers. In fact, last year on the cruise I had um, – some of the speakers from the movie The Secret and uh, some Olympians and some people who are you know, big brand building people. And so it's a great opportunity. But yeah, come check us out. And if uh, we're a good fit for you, we'd love to get to know you personally. Let's continue the relationship. Great. I really deeply appreciate you taking the time to appear on our show this evening. I know that I highly recommend your, your personal power mastery book to our audience. I think it's uh, a great read. I think the concepts within it are presented in such a way that it'll be very intriguing and stimulating to anyone who's interested in improving their personal development. And uh, my last question to you is, if you were to summarize your life experience in one sentence from the time you were born until right now, what would that sentence be? Wow. <laughs> I've never been asked that before. That's a great <laughs> question. You know, I would like to say maybe even to use a musical term. Uh, in music, there's a term called crescendo, which means to be constantly rising, rise, 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 rise. I would hope that my life would have that kind of a reflection to it. And um, the reason why I say it that way is because, you know, honestly, looking back, I think a lot of us sometimes beat ourselves up and say, oh, man, if only I knew what I knew today way back in like the fifth grade, man, I could totally have it all figured <laughs> out. Well, we all feel that from time to time. I get it. In fact, I'm sure even the most successful people on the planet wish that they could turn back time with the power of the knowledge they have. But what that tells me is that you're making progress. If you were to look back and say, oh, man, grade five, that was the best year of my life. I've never been able to top that. That's pretty impressive, <laughs> right? Correct. So what I'm going to say is that I challenge the audience today to keep living bigger and better. Go big or or cut it out. Like, let's take this to the next level. And just remember that if you want to expand what you have, you have to expand who you become. So always look at opportunities to expand. If you look at the universe ever since the Big Bang, it's been expanding. So you need to do the same. <laughs> and if you are fighting against the idea of expanding, if you think of playing small as safe, you're actually fighting against the whole universe. And you'll never, ever reward yourself to the capacity of who you really are. Everyone is technically brilliant on this planet. There is nothing you cannot do. If another human being has achieved it, you can do so and even greater. So it's important that we embrace that philosophy and we reach out to it. Remember that the universe is also an echo chamber. And if you approach something with hesitation, doubt, fear, scarcity, or any of the negative things that we oftentimes label as holding us back, that's exactly how everything in our life is going to show up. But on the contrary, if you show up with boldness 
and if you show up with courage, and if you show up with belief in yourself and a belief in possibilities, you'll notice that it may not always be easy, but it will always unfold in a bold manner, and it will always unfold with the things that you put out there. So seek greatness. Just remember that that is exactly why you were put here on the planet. Don't hold back, and if you've got a great idea for something that you want to become, there's a reason it was whispered to you. So listen carefully and get started. I love your answer just now, and hearing it makes me think you're going to have many other endeavors and books in the future to inspire us, and I deeply appreciate it. I think that was a great answer. Thank you so much for appearing on the show. I I really really want to thank you. (laughs) And I I also want to, you know, more importantly, yeah, absolutely. This has been a blast. Every time I do these episodes and I have, like, someone like yourself on here, I I would say uh, it's just it's great to have someone like you share your perspective because – by you being able to, to work with people and motivate them and cause someone to reevaluate their current situation and empower somebody with the information that you're sharing, I just think it's, it's a powerful thing. Words can't really describe the power that that can create for somebody. And um, that's an opportunity. That's where you're not limited and you're not stuck in the current situation of whatsoever, whatever someone's dealing with. You mentioned like a suicide hotline. So, you know, people deal with those type of ailments and conditions and terminal illnesses. And I, I like the idea of inspiring and being able to give that to our society at large. And I, I think what you're doing right now is phenomenal. I thank you for, for dedicating your life to that and use, using that as your passion and your mission. So thank you for Again, thanks for, for having me. Anytime. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Have a great night, sir. Take care. Excellent. You guys take care. Okay. Bye. I just want to thank everyone for tuning into this episode this evening for Personal Power Mastery by Douglas Vermeerine. Uh, it's the ultimate manual for honing your personal business and financial success proficiencies while eradicating your limitations. Um, just from our interview today, I will tell you that I could tell that Douglas Vermeerine is a very powerful individual who helps a lot of people. Uh, he's been described as a modern-day Napoleon Hill. And I think having choices in your life, like we discussed during the interview today, making the right choices and being able to stay, stay within your, your goals and being flexible and having the ability to understand what you're passionate about and, and really just tying that all together, to me, that's phenomenal skill set that will probably help you achieve your own personal power mastery as uh, this book book's topic is uh, entitled. I know from a personal experience, anyone I've worked with over the years in different capacity that I have in my life as a psychic or just as an individual, people I mentor, people I work with, I think a lot of times we each have our own vulnerabilities, our own self-doubts, Um, we have situations sometimes that are presented to ourselves that cause us to lose our focus and lose our hope. And what I like a lot about this topic, about personal self-development and what Douglas Vermeerine's focusing his, his own talents to create for each of us is having the ability, having the ability to find success when you're presented with failure. And not everyone succeeds all the time, obviously. We're going to have situations in our life that cause us to ha- have some challenges 
And that's, that's the key, is not giving up, not losing sight of that and persevering. Um, I'm, I'm dated, I'm in my 40s, but one of those toys that we used to have in, in my generation, Generation X, was Weeble Wobbles. You know, um, for those of you who don't know what that is, you can probably look that up online or on YouTube. For those of you who are my age or older, a Weeble Wobble is a little toy that was weighted on the bottom. And you'd knock it down, and it would always go right to balancing itself. And I, I think of that with anyone that deals with challenges, be it health challenges or career challenges, whatever it is, relationships, all those challenges. Just imagine yourself like what I would say is like a weevil wobble. You can get knocked down, but you'll always bounce right back. And that's what I think is pivotal. I really do uh, enjoy this type of topic, and I, I, I'm very happy that we were able to have Douglas from Marine on the show today. I thought he was a, a phenomenal guest coming on uh, for listening to our show this evening. Definitely check out this book. It's a great read. And uh, check out Douglas's website and social media presence, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, check out his website. And uh, thank you for, appear, uh, for listening to the show this evening. I uh, look forward to presenting further episodes. If you have any questions about any of the information that we've covered in our show, or if you'd just like to reach out to me directly, you can email me at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. Uh, you can also check out our website, www.thelettersocialpsychicradio.com. We have information on there regarding our episodes and featured guests and other information. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electricast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.